Hi, everybody. Simone Millicent here on the art and industry of business and living. And this month, the month of September, we're doing a series of shows for Suicide Awareness Day. We're making it Suicide Awareness Month. One of the websites that I would love for you to have a look at is accessconsciousness.com forward slash suicide awareness. There you can find out a whole lot of details of different things that we have available for you if you'd like to know more about this because suicide doesn't have to be a reality. There is always greater possibilities available for you. The Art and Industry of Business and Living podcast. Discussing conscious choices around business, money, life and living and creating a greater future for you and the planet. Hi everybody, welcome to the art and industry of business and living. So a bit of a different topic this month. Uh, It is suicide awareness. uh, I think it's week or month. I'm not sure, but we're making it a month. We're we're doing it our way. (laughs) So I am still here in St. Petersburg, Russia. I leave tomorrow for Argentina, which I'm very excited about. And I have uh, an amazing man on with me today. His name is Anthony Mattis. So welcome, Anthony. Thanks, Simone. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now, Anthony's also, he's a certified facilitator of access consciousness. He does body classes as well. And what I want to start off with here, and I know that, that, you know, suicide's a bit of a touchy subject. And these four shows that I have this month, I'm sort of hoping to interview some different people and different, uh, different aspects of it for suicide awareness. So let's talk about you. And you were married with how many kids? Three kids. Three kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to check, thought it was three, didn't want to forget yeah. one, you know. <laughs> yeah. So some are louder than others, so <laughs> you hear them more. So exactly. married with three kids and uh, and you were married and then your wife committed suicide, correct? Yep, she sure did. She sure did. She, you know, she was diagnosed with bipolar at the age of 17 or also known as manic depression. And uh, by the time that I met her, she was uh, about 20 years old. She had our yeah. first son already. He was just eight months old. And it was funny because she told me her whole life story within the first 10 minutes. She's like, oh, I have bipolar. I have manic depression. And being the fixer, forward uh, slash healer or whatever, I was like, do I want to date her? Or do I want to try to fix her? So I invited her to my <laughs> metaphysical book clubs. And I'm like, I can heal you. And uh, gosh, we tried so many different techniques, so many different modalities, so many different uh, religions. Uh, you know, we had gurus, we did breath work, we got certified in this thing and that thing. And, you know, she would do okay for a while. And then, uh, and then the, the last time she just, things got very, very intense. We didn't get help from the places that we thought we would get help from. And it was like everything we had learned, nothing worked. So she chose right. to take her life. And at that time I was, you know, or the kids were 10, eight and two and a half. And I was literally left on my knees like, okay, God, you know, what the fuck? You know, it's like, we've done everything to work on our stuff. And you're telling me none of that was good enough. And, you know, she had gone five and a half years with no meds, with being totally sober. Life was good. I was finally paying my bills. I wasn't in debt. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was great. And it's like all of a sudden, um, things just started creeping in again. And I started to notice as they would call it in this reality, the illness coming back. 
And um, it slowly got worse and worse and worse because she thought she was healed and delivered, as you would say in the church. And uh, so as the signs were coming back, she didn't want to look at it. And she's like, no, this is not the same thing. And, and I knew that it was. And, and it's really interesting. And I don't know where we, how deep we could go on this call, but it was. Whatever you want. I'm, I'm okay. That's up to you. Yeah, go really? for it. I mean, I think that people need to have these, you know, different awareness and different aspects of it and see a different side. So well, because these it. things are in, insidious, you know, it, it's like, especially in the areas of mental illness. And it's like the people who are struggling with the illness, they don't allow, especially the people closest to them in their world. Because there's so much insanity going on in their world that they don't even want to divulge that information because they're afraid that, you know, people will lock them up and put them in a mental, mental institution. So it was like literally one day we were walking in the park and she started gasping for air and everything was fine. I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, I don't know. I just, I looked over at this couple and it was like something jumped off of them from them onto her. And then she just started panicking. And that's sort of like how it started. And then seven months later, she felt like uh, she was demon possessed and she wanted to kill the demon is what she told me. And I'm like, well, if you kill the Hmm. demon, you know, you go for the ride. Your body goes along with it. And I have no wife and the kids have no mom. And, uh, And then she just kept saying, you know, I've been really bad. I've been bad. I've been really bad. But she wasn't doing anything. She was in my presence the whole time. But it was all the thoughts and feelings that were consuming her. And knowing what I know now as an access consciousness facilitator, now, you know, fast forward six years, and these amazing tools that have been created by Gary Douglas, the founder of Access, and Dr. Dane here, co-creator of Access, it's like there are so many things that are now being answered for me that I, when at that time, six and a half years ago or seven years ago, I was on my knees like, why? I don't understand how someone yeah. can be sane and then completely psychotic, like full-blown psychosis to the point where they can't even tell you what color the sky is because they can't talk anymore because they're full of paranoia. Uh, how someone goes from sane to insane that, that in that short amount of time to the point where they, they take their lives. And now knowing what I know with the tools of access consciousness, it was like she, you know, she, her awareness was off the charts and she had this huge capacity to be aware of other people's thoughts, feelings, and emotions, but she would buy them as hers. And when you can't differentiate the difference between your thoughts and other people's thoughts, it could make anybody crazy after a while. And it was like she hadn't slept in about six months. Like literally, she could not sleep. Her heart rate was 120 beats a minute <laughs> at rest, at rest, wow. you know. And it was like, again, knowing what I know now with access, I'm so grateful because I wanted to know the answers back then. I'm like, how does this happen? And now yeah. knowing what I know, it was like she was aware literally of like, you know, I talked to Gary. I'm like, what happened? He's like, that was a demon that jumped off of them onto her. But I didn't believe her at the time because I'm like, no, as a Christian, the demons can't get inside of you because, you know, you have the blood of Christ, you know, that's what they teach you. And so how could there be a demon in there? And I remember having this conversation with her in a hospital. I'm like, you know, if there's a demon in there, then what's the point of being a Christian? I'm going to go back to having a guru because that was more fun. Anyway, so, (laughs) and she's like, no, no, don't do that. Or I'm like, I'll start my own religion. (laughs) That's what I said to her. But literally I'm having this conversation with her on the roof in the psychiatric ward in the hospital where 
on top of the roof. It's, there's a cage to keep people from jumping off. And it's like, wow. this is really happening in my life. This young, mm. beautiful, intelligent woman. But again, knowing what I know now is like she had major, major awareness symptoms. <laughs> so Anthony, you keep referring to now knowing what you know now. And for people listening out there who might be in a, a similar situation with someone or with themselves as well, it's like, what are the tools that you would have offered you? six years ago? Uh, well, you know, I mean, just the one tool where we all start is the bars. And, you know, the, the bars is, it's not an acronym for anything. It just basically deals with these bars of energy that run from one side of your brain to the other. And it's just a gentle touch uh, technique where you touch 32 points on a person's head. And each of these points basically carry the electromagnetic components of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, in the areas of sadness, joy, healing, creativity, awareness, you know, things that have been sort of passed down to you. We call them implants uh, from, you know, let's say your parents, your teachers, preachers, rabbis, whoever, and those, and those things that stick you and they limit you in your life. Abuse. I mean, it, it, now we're actually having these studies that are being done that are actually demonstrating how that we can get results with depression. We can get results with the bars uh, with for people who have anxiety. But when I first did the bars, we didn't have those studies that were being, you know, uh, published. And um, and it was like I just went because I saw how much ease it created for my children. They would laugh. Uh, they would fall asleep. My one son, who's so so hyper. I would watch how it would sort of sedate him and relax him. And I'm like, I'm going to keep coming back just for that because it's, you know, worth the <laughs> price of admission. But it was like they encouraged me to keep going back because they knew that there was something really special about this work. At that point, I thought I was a lost cause because I had studied so many different techniques and modalities that I'm like, you know, I might be a lost cause, but, you know, what if this particular technique can actually stop this? genetic tendency from going to the next generation. So I just kept going back because of the ease that it created for the children. We were in therapy at the time and the therapist literally said to me, you know, she would ask the kids, the children, the boys, especially because my daughter was too young. She was only two and a half, but she would ask the boys all these different questions and scenarios and she, they would answer her and she'd look at me. She's like, whatever it is that you're doing at these workshops, she's like, keep doing it. They don't need to be here. <laughs> and That's so, so cool. Yeah. And I yeah. kept going back just for that. And then all of a sudden I started seeing the changes in my life. I started to become more happy. I also had to look at my life too. It wasn't just about me going through this tragedy. You know, my life had never been anything greater than like either suffering or mediocrity. And I also was looking at my life too. I'm like, if we put this, this tragedy aside, is my life working for me right now? And I'm like, it's not. This, it sucks. So I know I had to find something that was going to create the space for me to create the life that I've always knew was possible. But for whatever reason, no matter what I did, I couldn't quite get there. And what I've learned now is that the bars, just the bars alone, <laughs> can save people's lives. Yeah. And we have thousands of bars facilitators around the world. I quite often mention that at the end of my uh, podcast, get your bars run and you can find a bars facilitator 
at bars.accessconsciousness.com and just go to the Access Consciousness website and, and check it out. And I actually highly recommend going to a bars class because then you get to learn how to do mm. bars and you get to do them twice and then you receive them twice and get a whole bunch of information and a manual. And, you know, like Anthony said, it's it's absolutely a life changer. So you, you start living. I mean, I'm pretty sure I would have died of a drug overdose if I, you know, didn't start doing bars and et cetera. But I wasn't taking bars from depression. I was taking, I mean, not bars, drugs. I was taking drugs because I, uh, I wanted out. I was like, there's got to be something different than this reality. There has to be something more, which I get a lot of people that do commit suicide have that point of view that there's got to be something different. There's got to be something more. Um, I want to ask you, because you mentioned that she was bipolar. Mm-hmm. So do you get that it was more about being bipolar, more about like the demon entity, more about something different? And <laughs> Well, I'm glad that I'm you glad know, like, you're bringing that up because, you know, t- to me, it's like E, all the above. You know, it's what I've learned with like, you know, Shannon O'Hara has created a Talk to the Entities uh, series or courses, if you will. And which was mm. interesting because it was, a, <laughs> I avoided it for about five and a half years until about a year ago. And I, and then it really, Oh yeah. Now you're a talk to the entities uh, facilitator. facilitator. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, of all things, that's awesome. Of all things, I'm a talk to the entity facilitator, but again, yeah. it's one of those things that answered so many questions because it, it helped me to realize that her name was Jessica, that Jessica had a lot of entity awareness symptoms, a lot of entity awareness symptoms. Like she was hearing voices demons yeah. were talking to her she was aware of entities ghosts spirits whatever you want you know whatever you want to call it but unfortunately it was like her awareness did not fit this reality's paradigm or it didn't certainly did not fit the allopathic or the medical paradigm and then and then if you tried to bring up certain conversations in the church it was always funneled through this one particular point of view so it was like it, it was like she, she couldn't get sort of the the answers or the clarity that she was looking for with all the things that were rolling around in her brain. And she got to a point where she couldn't take it anymore. And, and she literally said, she goes, I can't take it anymore. I need to get out. But what she meant was like, like leave her body, if you will, or leave this yeah. reality. But again, something that I've learned, and, and this hit me the day after the day that we buried her and the pastor's like, she's rejoicing with the Lord. And I remember like that being like really heavy in my world. And I'm like, you're telling me she's partying with God right now? Like <laughs> she's got a two and a half year old right now and, and, and an eight year old and 10 year old. And we just threw in the dirt in the hole where we just. And I feel it. like shit. And she's at a party with God. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm not buying that. I'm sorry. And I, and then I literally said to God, you know what? I'm going outside the box again because I did it according to this particular book and she's dead. And so nine months later is when I learned about the bars and I'm like, okay, this stuff is super weird. It's the weirdest stuff that I've ever done. And I did a lot of weird stuff in my day in terms of like trying to become more conscious. But it was like, even though I had doubts about it, it worked. It worked. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, I had my arms folded when I started access. I'm like, I had this prove it to me type of thing. And like, just the results were undeniable. And it was like, wow, this can actually, this could have saved her life. Without a shadow of a doubt, it could have saved her life. However, I I do have to say, people still have to choose. People still have to take that step forward and make the choices, you know, in their lives that will, you know, contribute to creating their lives. It's not like it happens to you. 
in a lot of ways, the work is so powerful, a lot of it will happen to you. But once that space gets created, you still have to make choices in your life to have it expand yeah, even you, more. You are choosing and I get that. And I know people would hate to, to hear that, but it's like suicide is just a choice too. Yeah. And so Anthony, can I ask you when Jessica did commit suicide, like that that day, that day before, did you know? Like somewhere, did you know? Yeah, I, well, I did. I said, well, you know, I always knew that that was going to be a possibility. I just thought it was going to be more when the kids were grow, grown up because she always talked about how she she wanted to see the children through a particular phase in their life, especially adolescence. She talked about that all the time. And so when she did it as early as she did, I was a bit, I was a bit shocked, but she did tell me the day before, she's like, you know, you don't deserve this anymore. The kids don't deserve this anymore. And, and I remember saying to her, I'm like, you know, I'll deal with five or, you know, one bad year for five good years. If you could just hang on a little bit longer, I know we can get you the help that you require. And she was just like, no, 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 no. And then the next day is when she, she, she took her life. And so I had an inclination, I, it, but it happened probably 20 years earlier than I thought it would. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, um, I haven't actually spoken about it that much. You're reminding me of it. Uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine who committed suicide years ago. Mm-hmm. And he used to send me, um, you know, he used to write me letters and stuff like that, old school, you know, pen to paper, yeah. <laughs> send yeah. me letters old school, after we had broken up. And I remember the last letter he sent me, he wrote at the bottom of it, if I have died, if I have changed, it is in the search of the life of a, of a perfect life, which I'll never find, but die looking for it. Oh, God. Love, Pete. And I'll never forget that because I was just like, Jesus. And it, it never actually felt like there was anything I could do to help him. It was sort of like being an allowance of who he is and what he was choosing. And at his funeral, uh, one of his friends came up to me and said, hey, Simone, uh, Pete told me to tell you that he was uh, that he was going to commit suicide and he's sorry. And I was like, wow, that was so interesting to see that it didn't seem to be this uh, instantaneous choice. It was something that... Yeah, planned. That he was planning in a way, yeah, and it wasn't exactly... You know, the way he did it too, you wouldn't have said that it was planned. You would have said that it was off the cuff. But somewhere in his world, he knew that it was time to go. But the interesting thing too is, like you, for ages, I kept seeing Pete all the time and I thought people are going to think I'm frigging crazy if I say, he's just sitting there on the chair, he's over there. (laughs) Like I used to for years, I would, every time I walked into a room, I would sit in a chair that had my back to the wall because otherwise Pete would always sit behind me. And would drive me crazy. And I literally thought, they're going to come get me. Like the man in the white coat is going to come get me if I'm talking about this until I came to access consciousness. Mm. And it was like my third foundation class where I felt vulnerable enough and okay enough to go, hey, I hear and see entities too, you know. (laughs) It was like this really weird thing. So I just want to add that to this show as well. Like, and if Anthony's a talk to the entities facilitator, there are lots of facilitators out there as well. Please get that. If you think you see an entity, you, you pretty much do. And it doesn't have to be something that has power over you. Uh, You are the most potent being like you can have power over everything else. And, but it's also, you might have the ability to talk to entities and when people die, there's all these different theories of what occurs. And I have spoken to so many people who have passed over and Mm. it's nothing like I, you know, they say it is like you said, she's rejoicing with God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're saying that because, because I wanted to say that, you know, people, you know, you take yourself wherever you go. And it doesn't mean like moving from uh, South Carolina to Australia and then there you are. But even when you die, 
<laughs> you still take yourself wherever you go. And a lot of these people who make the choice to commit suicide, they think that it's going to be better on the other side. It's like, you're still taking you over there. And it's like, yeah. so it's like, why not do whatever that takes to create the change to make your life greater now? Because, you know, you're still going to be dealing with those struggles when you cross over. And that was something, again, that day when we buried her and he's like, she's rejoicing with the Lord. I'm like, that's not possible. But it wasn't until five and a half years later with taking the talk to the entities courses where they're like, look, they still have their same shit. The, yeah, yeah the, the magnetic imprinting is still there in their world. It's, you know, it's like it doesn't all just go away. You take your being with you. And so I was like, whoa. So that sort of like clarified that awareness that I had that day that we buried her. And I was like, whoa, no wonder why when I would be aware of her or think of her, I'd feel really sad. But it wasn't my sadness. It was her sadness. Yeah. So if anyone is out there and they are, you know, thinking about suicide, et cetera, I would love people to get that awareness as well. It's not like, you know, all of a sudden there's a freedom on the other side. You do still, you're an, you're an infinite being. Yeah. You still deal with your stuff. So what if there was a different choice and what if you could actually start to deal with that in this body, in this world? And like Anthony said, I highly recommend bars like bars. I don't, I actually do not know seriously how someone can survive without getting their bars run. I might go like four or five, six days or something. And I'm like, ah, yeah. and it's like, you know, <laughs> when you start to get like, you know, cranky or angst, cause it's like, none of this stuff has to be yours. And it's like, right. you know, you're buying into the anger of the world. You buy into the frustrations. Like you get cranky, you get sad, you get depressed, all this stuff. It doesn't have to be your reality. No. Your reality is actually that space and that sense of joy and I know for myself too I mean I got my bars run today and I was sort of I mean I'm in Russia at the moment and I'd just done a COP and I was like oh my god I think I'm gonna die and uh, a friend of ours Francesca ran my bars for like an hour and 20 minutes before she jumped on a plane and it's like a you, you become like a new being yeah. like it's brilliant it's a game changer for sure so it absolutely is. And there are thousands of facilitators around the world. So if you are listening to this and, and even if you know someone, it's, uh, you know, offered to pay for a bar session or, or get bars run, even 20 minutes is going to be better than nothing. So there's uh, something else I wanted to ask you about, though, too, Anthony, is because you've, you're on the side of, you know, having a wife that committed suicide, you've got kids, etc. what would you recommend? And can you talk a little bit about, like, what occurs after that for you and the kids? And I mean, you're, you're very successful now, you know, traveling around the world, doing classes, you've remarried to an amazing woman, Julia Sotis. And obviously you still got the kids and they're very, you know, successful in their own right too. So how'd you get there? Well, geez, you know, Hey, it wasn't graceful. I'll tell you that it definitely wasn't graceful. There <laughs> you stumbled and fell a few times. <laughs> there was a lot of ugly moments, but the biggest thing is when that happened, you know, I, I sort of used it as a, it was just a time to, you know, my point of view is to rally and bring the kids even closer. It's like literally for the first six months, we all slept in, in my bedroom. My daughter slept in my bed. The boys would put a little mattress next to the floor. And we kind of, it was like our little teepee. And every day at the end of every day, we, we, we would talk about their mom. We would talk about, we would talk about the good things that we remembered. We'd also, I would also be very clear with them. And I tried to explain with them at a level they could understand what actually happened what was going on in her world from her point of view and why she chose what she chose. And I told them exactly 
what she did. Exactly. Even my two and a half year old, she's there listening. Sometimes she would just fall asleep. But, you know, I would say, you know, your mother's brain was sort of like, you know, if you could picture these lights inside of them, your brain, right? And those lights are sending signals out. Well, those lights were sort of like out of control and she couldn't take it anymore. So she chose to leave. Now, this is before I knew anything about access. Okay. I was just going based right. on the information I had at the time. But I'm like, and she decided to take pills to go to sleep forever. And, and we and I'm like, you know, so what's going on for you when I say that I wanted them to know everything from me. I didn't want them to hear little bits and pieces from kids in school or, you know, the teachers bringing up something. I wanted them to know everything from A to Z. And it was something that was discussed every day or whenever it is that they wanted to discuss it. And so, and then after about six months, the boys were like, dad, can we sleep in our own room now? And, you know, and, 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 and I knew so, but the biggest thing is like, including your children, like a lot of parents, like even in just divorce, let's say, forget about suicide, but when they get divorced and they start dating other people, it's like they exclude their children in that process. When I was ready to start at least going out to dinner with other women or whatever you want to call it. I included the kids. I went through, you know, if I was on like match.com or something, I would scroll through pictures with the kids and they'd be like, Ooh, I like right. that one, dad, take call that one. You know <laughs> what I mean? But I included them and, you know, and, and, and I, I would say things after three years, I'm like, you know, I'm ready for the pictures to come down, the family pictures, because it's hard for me to still have them up there. So are you guys okay yeah. if I just put pictures of just us? Because I didn't want them to ever think that, if I, let's say I met another woman and then all of a sudden mom's pictures come down that it was because I was replacing her with that other woman. I wanted them to see that dad was moving on because dad was moving on, not because of someone else. And so, but I just included them on everything and I never hid anything from them. And there were dark times. I mean, they saw me cry a lot and I yelled a lot because it was like my life felt very, very out of control. And, and I was frustrated too, because we did things outside the box. We, we, and we maximize, we, we wanted to heal from this sort of thing before she died. She, we did everything we knew to do at the time and like nothing worked. So there was a lot of anger there yeah. with, with all the money we invested in all those tools and techniques. And so they saw me angry a lot. And, but I, I would say, daddy's sad or daddy's angry right now. I'm sorry that I yelled at you that I was out of line because sometimes my punishment didn't fit their crime. You get what I'm saying as a parent? So I had to say, I'm sorry, you're, I was an asshole when I, when I said that or when I acted that way. And, you know, and they would be like, it's okay, daddy. And they would, they would hug me. I changed my office hours. I was, I'm a chiropractor. I was a chiropractor. I was doing access full time now, but I had an office. And so basically uh, I would make sure that on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, I was home by 2.30 because I wanted them to see my face more days out of the week than let's say the nannies or the babysitter. So I was lucky in the, that respect that I was able to rearrange my office hours uh, and still maintain my, the, my level of income and, and still be home with them, you know, five days out of the week, which was great. So, uh, so it was just a lot of that. And we traveled a lot. I took them to the access classes, you know, and I made them part of that journey. And it was like, and I didn't even meet Gary and Dane until like a year and a half, uh, two years after I started Access because I needed to wait for the money to show up. But you know what? 
the money just would show up. And I never put one class on a credit card. And, you know, all those other modalities, I went to so much debt thinking that these things were going to deliver all those things that they promised. And they never did. And I was just found out to like be able to have a good conversation over coffee. But my life was bearing absolutely no fruit of anything that I ever learned. But with access, it was like, I was using the tools about, you know, the money tools and all that and money kept showing up so I can keep going to the classes. But then Gary and Dane, you know, it was like the way that they were with the kids, uh, you know, and just speaking to not the tragedy, but speaking to their being, speaking to the greatness that they are. And you would see these light bulbs go off in their universe and, you know, and each kid has chosen greater for their lives. They have not let this tragedy be their definition of who they are. It's like nobody would ever know that they went through what they went through or we went through what we went through as a family. And that's because of what we've been doing in access is because of the tools and access consciousness. And it took me three years to figure out that access is not just about getting you through your drama and trauma. It's not just about getting you out of your depression. <laughs> Can it do that? Yeah. Absolutely. But there is this palpable, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word magic because that almost minimizes it, but there's this thing that occurs at some point and it's different for everyone where like you become so acutely aware of like every single molecule in your body uh, and in the world and on the planet and on the earth. And you can perceive this communion and this, this, this communion and oneness with all things and the energy that sort of pervades your entire body and being it's like, I'm like, Holy shit. This is what they meant when they say, you know, you know, like heaven's at hand, it's here. You could have it here on earth. I'm like, this is what they meant. And I'm like, oh my God, this work is not just about getting you through your drama and trauma. There's actually true communion and oneness. And there's this energy that's so palpable that from my point of view can change anything, anything that's not working in your life. Yeah. It's about creation. Hey, it is. It's creating beyond that. And Anthony, I just want to acknowledge you though as well. Like you're acknowledging access, but Man, you almost made me cry there talking about the father that you were and still are to your kids and how much you empowered them to know everything that was going on, get that this wasn't their fault, that there was, you know, a a bigger sort of, you know, picture going on here and you explaining that to them and having them be able to ask questions and be vulnerable with that. It's like, man, you are amazing. I am incredibly grateful for the being that you be in the world. It's like an access tools help. And you chose it. Thank you. You chose to be like that. Thank you. But, you know, I also chose a lot of fucking other techniques, man, and tools. And it's like it didn't do this. It did not. I didn't. For me. I didn't do do all the other techniques. I did some things. I did like, you know, crystals and put them outside and cleanse them in the full (laughs) moon and (laughs) had my sage sticks and stuff. I chose drugs. That was my thing. I was like, and then when I I found access, oh, my God. This is what I was looking for. Like exactly. I did a lot of drugs too back in my day. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I always knew <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. Oh, there's gotta be a way to have this without having to do the drugs. I there's gotta be a way. And there, there yeah. is. 
<laughs> there is. Yeah, there is. There is access consciousness. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Anthony, I am mm-hmm. so grateful for everything you've been talking about on the show, and I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about, you know, a different topic. <laughs> sure. Um, and something that you are, you know, facilitating with access as well, whether it's, you know, the bodies or talk to the entities, etc., right riches, whatever it is you choose. Let's let's make a date for that one day too. Okay. And okay. at the moment, if anyone's looking to find out where you are and you know book sessions, go to your classes, etc. Where can they find you, Anthony? Well, they could check me out on my website at uh, www.dranthonymanis.com. That's dr anthonymanis.com and I have a list of all the different classes that I'm doing everywhere, telecalls, you name it, but you could they could find me there. Okay, and Mattis is spelled M-A-T-T-I-S. Yes. And we'll, if you liked this show anyway, you can click on it and we'll send you a summary of, of everything that we you know spoke about today. So is there anything else, Anthony, that you want to say to the listeners listening out there if they've been in a similar situation or anything at all? Just the bottom line is there is a different possibility. There is another possibility, no matter how hopeless you may feel right now in these 10 seconds, just know it's only for these 10 seconds, maybe the next 10 seconds. But I promise you, there is another possibility. There is hope that your life can and will become greater with, you know, these tools. So don't, don't give it, don't give up, never give up, never give in, never quit. Cool. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm so incredibly grateful for you coming on the show today. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And uh, Suicide Awareness uh, Month, everyone. It's like, what if you were willing to be more aware of what is occurring for people around you and know that, as Anthony said, don't give up hope. There are different possibilities. And one of the ones I would highly recommend is Access Consciousness and Get Your Bars Run. So thanks for joining me. I'm Simone Mellis as your host, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me, Anthony. Thank you. Bye-bye.